The following message is brought to you by Champions Church. For more information, please visit champschurch.com. I want to get into the word here this morning. Uh, as we do that, if you uh, have some uh, uh, note-taking materials, want to encourage you to do that. A few things to look forward to as we get into the Word. I want to offer those to you now. Uh, one, we're going to find, what is always a choice? Now, it might not be saying that well, but uh, choices are something that are great and terrible in my world. Uh, I didn't realize so much of my life w- was a string of choices, and the older I get, the more mature I get, the more I begin to see that all of my life is a, a string and a series of choices and decisions. Uh, you can see that. I mean, when you deal with, with you know, younger or maybe less mature individuals, much of their life, you'll, you'll see the blame game. It, it wasn't a choice or a decision. It was kind of a victim of circumstance or it happened to me or something like that. And while there are things that, that can happen uh, to an individual, much of our life is decided or affected by the choices and decisions that we make ourselves. I've never had that more clear to me than, than when I got married and I began to see the effects of my choices and decisions. When you're single, what you do is what you do. But when you have other people around you that are revealing to you the effects of your actions, you begin to see those things. So there's one thing that we're going to see in the scripture that's always a choice, and we'll, we'll get to that uh, here in a moment. Another thing that we're going to find is a, a devotion checklist. That's a weird way to word it, but I'm going to word it that way uh, because when we get there, it'll make sense. How to know that there's devotion, devotion in a relationship, devotion in fellowship, devotion in love toward one another. We'll see a checklist in the scripture. And let me tell you something, this is going to be a really powerful and effective thing to see in the word. If you can take this checklist and you can live your life by it, life's going to be really good. And things will be uh, really uh, strong and, and healthy and relationships and other things. It's a good thing to see in the Word and put to practice in life. And then a third thing that we're going to find is what brings about change or transformation. I mean, what brings about change? There are things that I want to see change in my life. There are things I want to see change in my community or, or you know, in, in our country or, or whatever. There's a lot of things that... Maybe I don't like the way something is, therefore I want it to change. Well, there's a biblical route to change, and it's something that's really important and worth noting. Uh, So I want to get into the word here. Those are things we're going to find. Uh, If you have your Bibles, let's go to uh, 2 Peter uh, chapter 1. That's where we're going to start. 2 Peter chapter 1. Now, 2 Peter chapter 1 has been the foundation for uh, uh, a number of messages over the past weeks. Uh, We're going to continue in that. Uh, We're going to lay a little bit of a foundation, and then we're going to focus on a specific part of the Scripture. So bear with me as we read part of 2 Peter chapter 1. We'll emphasize what we're going to focus on, and then we'll focus on it. I want to begin in verse 2, 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 2. It it says this, Grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of our Lord Jesus Christ, Uh, seeing that God's divine power has given us everything pertaining to life, and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us to his glory and his excellence. Uh, Through these things or by these things, he's granted to us precious and magnificent promises so that by them you might become a partaker in the divine nature and escape the corruption that is in this world through lust. 
I want to pause there for a second. Basically what's being said here is that God has made a way for you to be like him. To, to choose what's right, to do what's right, to live a life in holiness that is free from the corruption that's in the world. Now we see, in, as we continue to read, a list of these promises and these wonderful things that God's given us in order to live this godly life. Now for this very reason also, apply with all diligence to your faith, moral excellence. We talked about that a few weeks ago. And in moral excellence, knowledge. And in knowledge, self-control. And in self-control, perseverance. And in perseverance, godliness. And in godliness, brotherly kindness. And in brotherly kindness, love. Now you see this list here, and we've gone through these things, and the danger of uh, repeating the list is to repeat the points in the messages and, and lose all of your time. But we talked about moral excellence and knowledge and those things. Uh, today we're going to emphasize brotherly kindness. Brotherly kindness is something that God has brought into our lives in order to affect our choices and decisions so that we can live our lives like him, so that we can be like God in our, our lifestyle, our choices, our decisions, our attitudes, and our actions. If you go down this list, you'll see the ingredients necessary to live like God has called us to live. And on this list is brotherly kindness. Now, brotherly kindness might be translated in your Bible's brotherly love. That's a great way to do it. The word is actually Philadelphia, like the city Philadelphia. You would know that the city Philadelphia is called that as the, it's called the city of brotherly love. Uh, so Philadelphia is the word there. So brotherly love or brotherly kindness is absolutely necessary for us to live the life that God's called us to. Now, if you continue to read there uh, in, in Peter, in, in the writings that we were just reading, you see the wonderful benefits of, of living our lives with these things, with moral excellence and, and knowledge and, and self-control and perseverance, you know, all the way through to brotherly love. The rewards are fantastic. I mean, it's, it's about being fruitful and productive. It's about having relationships that are effective and, and being successful. It's a really great thing to apply to our life intentionally. I don't want to be successful on accident. I want to make choices and decisions on purpose to get the results that God's word promises. And that's where we're going to, to move into brotherly love. I told you before we're going to find out what's always a choice. Let me give you a passage of scripture here for your notes. Hebrews chapter 13, verse 1. Now, when I read it, it's going to sound kind of like a, a pretty plain scripture. But if you stop and you think about it, you can realize a lot's being said here in just a few short words. Uh, Hebrews chapter 13, verse 1, it reads like this. Let the love of the brethren continue. That's it. Let the love of the brethren continue. I mean, really, when you read that, it sounds like, okay, what else you got, right? I mean, you're waiting for the rest of this passage to come in in order to kind of bring it home. But if you stop and you think about this, you can realize a lot's being said here. Let the love of the brethren continue. Well, there's something that is meant to continue in its brotherly love or, or the love of the brethren, so to speak. But then that first word to me is the word that holds all of the power. A little three-letter word, let. Or, or you could also use a word, allow. This is implying that this is a choice, that you have an option. I have an option in any situation where I'm challenged to either let the love of the brethren continue or bring it to a screeching halt dumpster fire, right? 
I mean, if somebody provokes you or somebody uh, gets in your face or somebody hurts you or betrays you or wrongs you in some way, you're now at a crossroads. Do I let brotherly love continue or do I bring it to an end? It's pretty provoking. Uh, It can cause your thoughts to, to, to run a million miles a minute because there's a lot of things that are affected in our life day to day that can cause us to either choose to let brotherly love continue or bring it to an end. So in short here, when we read this passage of Scripture, I think the emphasis needs to be established that brotherly love or kindness is always a choice. Now, this has hit home in my life uh, in, in really tangible ways in, in my marriage. I mean, Ashley's not here. She's out of town. But, but she will always tell me, now, kindness is a choice. And what's really amazing is when she says that, I hate it because she's right. It's not always easy to make that choice, but it is always an option, no matter what. It's always on the table to be chosen. No matter how irritated I am, no matter how many circumstances are pulling on me, and by the way, you may have a thousand reasons, but there's no good excuse to not be kind. You could be tired. If you're like me, you could be hungry. You ever been hangry before? It's like, you're so hungry, you're just a jerk, right? I mean, that happens to me every few hours, you know? You can have all of these reasons to be irritable and irritated and all of these causes to not be kind, but kindness is always a present option. That's really all that the scripture is saying. So, you know, as my wife would tell me kindness is always a choice, the the word would testify in her favor that, yeah, kindness can always be allowed. Let the love of the brethren continue. So not only are we seeing that this is a choice and an option, but we're also seeing the instruction that we're called to let the love of the brethren continue. We're called to choose kindness in every situation, in every circumstance. And then here's something great. I want to give you a passage of scripture here, 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. I want to look at verses 9 and 10. I mean, have you ever asked the question, you know, what is God doing in my life? What is God doing in, in the church and in, in among people? And I want to offer this as a, a passage of scripture to, to provide an answer to that question. Because God is at work. He's at work in your heart and in your mind. And he's, he's doing something. He's always teaching. In fact, Jesus referred to the Holy Spirit as teacher. And in this case, we'll see what we're learning. First Thessalonians chapter 4 beginning in verse 9. Now, Paul is writing, and he's writing to Christians. He's writing to, to believers in a church. And he says, Now as for the love of the brethren, or Philadelphia, or brotherly kindness. Now as for brotherly kindness, you have no need for anyone to write to you, for you yourself are taught by God to love one another. For indeed you do practice these things among each other. I mean, this is something that God is teaching us. When I consider the emphasis here that God is teaching us to love one another, I can see it when I see the scripture, the example of Jesus Christ, to be able to endure and to to suffer provocation and, and temptation and make choices and decisions that would always be rooted and founded on God's kindness. So it's one of those messages that when you step into it, it's not hard to confirm that it's the right thing to do, but it might be difficult to pull off. I mean, I'm going to ask a question, and I don't want anyone to answer, you know, out loud necessarily, because I sure don't want to cause any embarrassment. Is it easy for you to be kind? Is it hard for you to be kind? I can tell you, for me personally, kindness doesn't come naturally for me. 
it, it just is not in my personality to be kind. And I've met people that are, and I, I, I'm drawn to those people. I mean, they kind of have a permanent smile on their face, and, and you could give them the worst news ever, and they'd be like, oh, shucks, you know, and, and, and then they just move. But, but kindness can be a real challenge. It can be a real difficult thing to walk in. And when you're, when you're faced with the opportunity to be kind and you find that it's a challenge, sometimes we need help in order to bring kindness into existence. I told you before I wanted to find the devotion checklist in the scripture. I want to do that now. Uh, Romans chapter 12. I mean, if you've got a Bible, if you've got a phone with a Bible app, go to Romans chapter 12. Because if you are going to take anything away from this morning, I, I think this is probably what we would want to take away. Romans chapter 12, I want to look at it from the, the standpoint of a, a kindness checklist. What does it mean to have brotherly kindness? What does it mean to have the, the Philadelphia that God has brought into our lives so that we can live the way he's called us to live? So it's one thing to just think, well, it just means being nice. Well, that's helpful. I mean, it sure is better than being mean. But then nice is relative. I mean, what does it mean to be nice? So I want to see this checklist in the scripture, and I offer it to you as an opinion, but I have a feeling we'll all jump on board by the time we're done and see that these are things that would be good to bring into any situation. So Romans chapter 12, I want to look at beginning in verse 9. Beginning in verse 9. It opens with this, let love be without hypocrisy. All right, so I mean, just stop right there and you're seeing the whole point here. The whole point is, hey, let your love be real. Not fake, but real. And now we're going to, to move forward and see kind of where we're going with this. Hate what's evil and cling to what's good. Be devoted, now that's the word I want you to catch, devoted to one another in brotherly love. Be devoted to one another in brotherly love. Now we're going to get a, a list of things that come our way, and I want to offer this list to you as the checklist for brotherly love. The call is to let your love be real, don't let it be fake, let it be without hypocrisy, be devoted to one another in brotherly love. Now here comes the checklist. One, give preference to one another with honor. I can think about a number of situations where I've been provoked or I've been challenged, where I'm angry about something that's happened or maybe feel betrayed or hurt and wounded. And if somebody were to ask me, hey, can you honor that person I would think, not without God's help, <laughs> because I'm ticked. But praise God, he's given me help. He's given me the presence of the Holy Spirit so that I can do what's right, and I can realize this is a person on the other end of this that I need to bring respect to. Even if they have been a complete and turtle, to total excuse me, dirtbag, I need to walk in respect. Give preference to one another in honor. A second on the list here, uh, don't lag behind in diligence. I mean, it, it, don't, don't be lazy in relationships. Don't be lazy in fellowship. Don't be lazy, period. Don't be lazy in work. We can be kind to one another and walk in brotherly kindness, devoted to one another in a love that's free from hypocrisy by giving preference to one another, by not failing to be diligent, by working hard. Now, third on the list, be fervent in spirit in serving the Lord. Now, that one's an important one to me. It sounds kind of churchy, right? Well, let's just serve the Lord. But I think it's important to keep that in mind. 
when we're dealing with relationships, to remember that I have a role here. God has called me to be in fellowship with this person for a reason. And if I forget that, I might work against God's reasoning. I need to remember that, that God's got a plan for this relationship. God is at work in this relationship. And I need to make sure that what I do is serving his plan in this relationship. So first on the list, give preference to one another. Next, be diligent, followed by being fervent in spirit, serving the Lord. And then fourth on the list, rejoicing in hope. I can stay true to love by always remembering that there's hope. Never writing off a situation or a circumstance or a relational uh, relationship, excuse me, as being in a state of hopelessness. But if I can engage always knowing that there's hope, hope that God can make this right, hope that God can restore this, hope that God can, can bring a, a, his miracle power into this relationship or into this situation and bring about something good, then I can stay engaged and devoted in that Philadelphia or that brotherly kindness that I'm called to, to remain in. So preferring one another, being diligent, serving God, always leaving room for hope, now, next on the list is preserving in tribulation. That's a real bible way to say hanging in there when times suck. Preserving in tribulation is not really how we talk anymore. But I can tell you, I, I had a, a really difficult week this past week. There were tragic things that took place that were very hard to, to endure and to wrap my mind around and to surrender my heart to, to the fact that God does have a plan is really a trial. But hanging in there when things are hard, hanging in there when things are tough, preserving when there is tribulation is necessary in order to be devoted to one another. That's really what breaks relationship. We, we, we don't hang in there. Do you realize preserving or, or persevering, excuse me, during tribulation just means not giving up? To persevere means to outlast the problem. I'm going to stay committed to you longer than this problem is going to exist. But without perseverance, the, the problem persists longer than the devotion, and that's when you have separation. Being committed to one another with a love that's without hypocrisy, walking in that brotherly kindness in, in a church community and in a church fellowship means my devotion to you is going to outlast any problem you and I have. We might butt heads for years, but my devotion to you will last longer than those years. My devotion will outlast that problem. So we got the list here, honoring each other or preferring one another. Uh, being diligent, being a worker, not being lazy, being fervent in spirit, always remembering that we're serving God, uh, rejoicing in hope, always leaving room for hope, being willing to outlast any problem or persevere in tribulation. Then next on the list, being devoted to prayer. Let me confess something to you. You know, the idea that anyone would call me Pastor Preston would communicate to people that, that prayer is a very naturally occurring thing in, in my life. I have to fight for, for time to pray. I do. I know for a fact it is, it is a challenge for people to open up their, their schedule and, and make room for prayer, to be mindful to pray. I can tell you for me personally, much of my prayer life is in my everyday life. 
I can be at a stoplight in prayer. I can be, you know, digging a hole and be in prayer. It is about a mentality that simply is willing to acknowledge God and communicate with him, not just one way, this is my time to complain, but two way. This is my time to surrender my problem to you and listen for your solution. Prayer is meant to be a two-way, a reciprocated communication. Your words to God, God's words to you. He wants and loves to speak and to give you counsel and direction. And I've had conversations with a number of people wondering, well, what does it mean to hear God? How do you know you've heard God? And it's a real difficult thing to put into words. Do you hear with your ears? Do you hear with your heart? Do you hear with your mind? My answer would be yes. When God speaks to you, you know. You will know. You'll know in your heart. It'll be a conviction. It'll bear witness with the, the, what you know you should do from the scripture. It'll bear witness with, with the local body. Now that's the church. That's not just the pastor. That's the church. It'll all bear witness with what God is doing. Then that is the confirmation that gives us the security and the stability to know that we're moving in the direction God's calling us to move. Being devoted to prayer. That's an interesting thing to use the word devoted, right? I think it's important to acknowledge that that word's in there, that it's not just in there by accident, but that it's in there on purpose. Because you could easily make this list and just say, hey, you know, uh, uh, honor one another, prefer one another, uh, be diligent and, and serve the Lord and leave room for hope and, and outlast problems uh, and pray. You could just say, just pray. And I think everyone would, would, would be okay with that. But I think it's important to see that being devoted to prayer is different than praying. I've had tons of scenarios or situations or circumstances where, where I've prayed about it and nothing happened right then and there on the spot. The question is, do I just leave it alone and walk away or do I continue to pray about it? Being devoted to prayer means I understand that God cares about my life. I understand that God cares about this situation and I'm not going to just simply walk away and write it off as something that God doesn't care about. But I'm going to remain devoted to prayer. I'm going to commit that to prayer. And we're going to continue in that direction. Next on the list, contributing to the needs of the saints. I love this, contributing to the needs of the saints. I mean, if I had to sum that up in one word, giving, I would just say that. Be a giver. Be a giver. Be a giver in all things. You know, a lot of pastors are tempted to say things like, no, I'm not just talking about money. Money might be what you need to give. But it could be anything. It could be your time. It could be uh, your, uh, your, your, your fellowship. It could be your education. You might teach someone how to do something. It could be any number of things. But be willing to contribute to the needs of those around you. That's how we stay committed and devoted to each other. Be willing to contribute to the needs of those around you. Last on the list here, practice hospitality. Practicing hospitality. Hospitality is a, a wonderful thing. We're all familiar with it because we've received hospitality in different measures and we always acknowledge when we receive it. It's, it's easy to notice because it, it is a, a wonderful thing to receive. We also have a call to reciprocate that and, and to practice hospitality. It, there's gifts of hospitality. It comes very natural for some people. Uh, for others, it might be a little more uh, laborious. I mean, I thought it was very hospitable that a piece of cake was saved for me yesterday, right? 
You know that was just to not get in trouble for eating a whole cake, right? You can't say we ate the whole thing if we leave you a little piece. So technically, we didn't eat the whole cake. Hang on. It's funny stuff. I love it. Those are my genes. That's my genetics at work there. I love it. That's awesome. All right. So, so this list here, if this became a punch list, I mean, imagine this. Imagine everything you deal with, people issues, problems, things that are... are, are or on the edge of, of destruction, or failure, or divorce, or whatever. Imagine if you just said, we're going to check off every one of these boxes. We're going to make sure in this situation that we're going to prefer each other and give honor. We're going to make sure in this situation that we're not going to be lazy, but we're going to be willing to do the work that it takes to see this through. We're going to be willing in this situation to make sure that we keep in mind that God's involved, and we're here to serve him, not ourselves. We're going to keep in mind in this situation that there's always hope, and it's never hopeless. We are going to remember in this situation that we can outlast our problems. We're going to remember in this situation that we're going to stay devoted to God's involvement in prayer. We're going to remember in this situation that we have a call to contribute to each other and to see each other's needs covered and met. We're going to remember in this situation that we have an anointing to be hospitable to each other. I think if that checklist can be checked off, you're not going to have a situation or a circumstance that ends in destruction, failure, or separation. But you'll see success. You'll see victory. And this is the call that we have on our lives. This is the reason why God would say, hey, I'm calling you to be just like me, but you're going to need this. You're going to need Philadelphia. You're going to need brotherly kindness. You're going to need inside of you the willingness and the, 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 the sacrifice and the drive to bring these things into existence that preference of one another, that willingness to, to keep hope alive and outlast problems. And as we see this list come to pass in our choices and our decisions and our words and our actions, I think you see more and more victory in every aspect of life. It's a wonderful thing to consider the love that God's called us to. I want to ask you to stand with me this morning. There's a number of things in these notes that were down here to be shared. I'm pretty convinced that we're done. That, that checklist, that punch list right there, no matter what, if you're reading those things off, no matter who you are in the room, no matter what your, your situation may be, no matter what you might be facing or dealing with, things might be all daisies and roses, things might be completely turned upside down. But I believe in my heart that one or several of those things on that checklist just stood out to you as something that would be important or necessary in your life in some way right now. I need to apply that. I need to outlast this problem. I'm tired and I'm ready to give up, but I need to last longer than this problem. Or, or, or maybe it's, it's hope. Maybe it's, you know, I've given up and, and, and abandoned all hope. And I need to remember there's always hope. Hope is always on the table. I mean, no matter what it was, was no matter what it, it might be, those are the things that God has equipped us with in order to bring about victory and solution. And I want to pray this morning. I want to, to ask God to stir in our heart those things that he's called us to so that we can bring those things to pass 
willfully with our choices and our decisions. Not just hoping that they happen, but trusting and believing that God will give us the direction to move and to act, the words to speak, the action to perform, to see to it that kindness has its way. And I mentioned to you that there was one thing that we were going to find, and I do want to share that. You know, we were going to find the catalyst for, for change or transformation, the way in which change takes place. I want to offer that to you before we, we pray. Because the scripture is, is clear that it's the kindness of God that leads to repentance. Well, it, it sounds like it's about, you know, repenting of sin, and, and, and it is. That's a great way to look at it. But the word repent literally means change. So if we sub that word out and think about that, just consider this. It's the kindness of God that leads to change. In your life, it's the kindness of God lived in and through your life that leads to change. If there's anything you want to see changed, any area of life where you're wanting to see God move in power to bring about transformation, it's going to be his kindness that will be the catalyst for that change. The kindness that's devoted, that, that checks off those boxes, that outlasts problems, that, that makes room for hope, that honors and that prefers one another. It's that kindness that opens up the door for change. I want to pray for us this morning. Father, we bless your name and we thank you for your goodness. We thank you for your kindness revealed to us in and through Jesus. We thank you for the presence of the Holy Spirit to respond to conviction that we might open up our hearts and our minds to be affected by your word and your counsel. And let our lives be given to, to brotherly kindness. Let there be a stirring and an awakening in us to fulfill a, a love without hypocrisy, to truly be devoted to one another, and to see a life lived out that would bring your goodness and your favor into this world. Let it bring about the change that's necessary that old things would pass away, that the things of your kingdom would be established, that there would be an exchange of, of sorrow for, for joy, that there would be an exchange of, of anger for celebration, that there would be an exchange of, of sin and unrighteousness for purity and holiness. Let change be the result as we commit our lives to being devoted to brotherly kindness. Let there be a preference one to another. Let there be a willingness to to surrender to your will and your call to outlast all struggle and all problem. Let there be a, a devotion to keep hope alive in every situation and every circumstance and a willingness to contribute, to give of ourselves, to see that needs are met. Let hospitality be alive and well among your people. And let it be in such a way that you receive honor and glory. Let brotherly kindness thrive on the body of Christ we give you thanks and we rejoice in you. And we ask, Father, in Jesus' name, in any aspect of our life where kindness needs to be magnified, let it be. Let us open up the door by your word for kindness to be uh, successful in every aspect of our living. We bless your name and we thank you in the mighty name of Jesus. And all the saints declare, amen. Thank you for listening to this message from Champions Church. We invite you to join us this Sunday for our celebration worship service. For more information, please visit us at champschurch.com.